Welcome to the She Sweet Community Podcast, the only show where leading women level up together and share stories, secret strategies, and life lessons on the journey to building a remarkable personal brand. I'm Melissa Don Simpkins, founder of the She Sweet Community and affectionately known as the First Lady of Personal Branding. Over the course of my career, I've built the brands of the world's most renowned influencers, celebrities, executives, and companies. My mission is to empower women just like you with proven strategies to lead with confidence and create your own authentic brand of influence. On this podcast, we will spotlight remarkable leaders who turn the best and brokenhearted times into their own secret sauce of success. With each episode, you will be inspired, learn to push past barriers, and brand a beautiful life on your terms. Plus, access free downloads to help you take action. Now, let's do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the She Sweet Podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm so excited for this episode. I want to introduce you to Iliette Frontera. She is Vice President of Operations for the Boston Scientific Corporation Dorado Manufacturing Site. She oversees over 1,100 employees in manufacturing of the rhythm management um, and neuromodulation devices. She's been with BSC for uh, many years, since 2005, and has various roles in quality engineering, production functions, and more. She's also worked as a production director in the Maple Grove, Minnesota site. Prior to working at BSC, she worked at Corderas, which is J&J, with responsibilities such as site transfer and two international assignments in Italy and the Netherlands and engineering roles within Ford Motor Company in Detroit, Michigan. She brings such a refreshing, honest take on mothering, uh, dealing with mother's guilt, driving towards passionate results and building leadership from the top and taking bold moves. You're going to enjoy this episode with my new friend, Iliette, on today's podcast. Iliette, it's so nice to meet you. Welcome to the She Speak Podcast. Thank you, Melissa. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You know what? I am dreaming of being on a beach somewhere, and you're in Puerto Rico. <laughs> so make us all jealous. What is life like in Puerto Rico these days? Yeah, uh, well, fortunate enough, COVID, it's allowing us to be a little bit more outside and opening up the bubble here that we call the bubble. So it's actually about 80 degrees right now. And we absolutely love to enjoy the beach. Obvious reasons we're surrounded here by water. But <laughs> no, um, it's it's great to be outdoors and, and great to finally be tried to be back to a certain normal, I guess, at these new times that we're facing. That's right. We're making the best of it wherever we are. And you have had such an ex- ex- extensive career and one driven by passion. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But for our listeners, for our She Sweet community, tell us a little bit about your story. Sure thing. So I've been working for the last 20 plus years. Most of my career has been on the medical device industry. So kind of, you know, on that operation side of the world, manufacturing side of the world. And most of the latest years, about 16 plus, had been working for Boston Scientific. 
I currently am the operations vice president for the Dorado Puerto Rico facility, and I oversee about uh, 1,100 employees down here. Um, but it's great to be part of a broader network. Um, and if I go back, I actually went to school for engineering um, back when I got my degree, and I also had an MBA as well. And so you've been able to be at Boston Scientific BSC for quite some time. Where did you start in the organization? I actually started as a quality engineer and I've been fortunate enough or, you know, to, to expand that a little bit broader and cross over different functional teams. So I, I started, as I said, on the quality engineering side. And then, um, you know, with some push, I have to say, because there are cases where there might be opportunities out there and we hesitate a little bit thinking that we might not be ready. Mm -hmm. um, but I was very fortunate that my next opportunity was as a manufacturing engineering manager. And I always call that out and, and I say, and I use the word hesitation because, you know, my background is an industrial engineer. This position was all about mechanical, electrical. So in my mind, it was probably not a good fit for me. Um, however, I always listen to certain voices around me and have to trust a little bit myself. And they say, you know, you got the, the, the set of skills to do this, to overcome. So that was my first actually manager experience with the organization. I then moved into being a quality manager, a production manager, and had the blessing as well of being the production director. So with those changes, not only I was able to expand some experiences and, and create learning opportunities, but also my, my scope in the organization started to grow. At that point, production director, I had about 500 people uh, within my organization. And then I had also a really good opportunity, a very bold move to move then to a Minnesota facility and be the production director at that facility for two years, which I would say it's probably a life-changing event in every single sense of the world. And we can talk a little bit later about that. And, and then oversee about a thousand employees at that point in time. And then was fortunately and blessed to then return home as the vice president of operations, now overseeing the whole operations organization. First of all, congratulations on your career progression and be accomplishing something that many women in your field and industry have not. Um, and that's amazing. I think it's important to understand too, for our listeners, the, the journey of embracing uncomfortable places and changes and things that make us, um, you know, maybe think about the imposter syndrome. How did you navigate those difficult times in your career where you had to make hard choices. Can you give us an example of one of those times and, and how you mentally did it and how did you, you know, actually have the courage as you talked about to, to move in that new direction? Sure thing. And, and I think, you know, you mentioned imposter syndrome. If there's one thing I wish I knew or acknowledged earlier on, on the career was that imposter syndrome, that, that it, it happens it's true, but once we acknowledge that that is what's happening, I think we take a different approach to trying to manage either that fear or that uncertainty or the awkwardness maybe of certain situations. So if I probably will circle it, the, the example or the feeling around that, that opportunity that I mentioned, you know, even though I was already a production director, 
the opportunity to go and do this in another part of the world in another organization um, was a big change. It was, you know, it was Minnesota. So talk about weather, right? It's about 100 <laughs> <Yes>. degrees <laughs> different from one location to the other. I, I, I got two girls and I, I got a fabulous husband. We've been married also for 16 years. And so it actually meant that he had a really, really good career. Um, he's also a, an engineering director in another organization. And I had a second grader and a fourth grader. So when I, when I was presented with this opportunity, I clearly remember it was a Friday afternoon. I got a call and they said, hey, Liet, we're looking into uh, some movement in the network. Boston Scientific does sponsor a lot of, you know, cross-pollinizing, you know, across uh, functions and themes to make a really good win-win situation for the talent or the individual and the company. And they call me and say, we're, we're looking into this and there's this opening in Maple Grove. So Maple Grove was probably double the size of the organization that I was working for in with completely different products, completely different technology. And I had no network at that point in time on that facility because I used to work with another part of the organization. So, you know, I hung up and as I was driving home that day, I pretty much made a decision and I said, you know, forget it. It sounds great. I'm flattered that they thought of me, uh, but that's it. So I went home. I kind of told my husband, I said, but don't even worry. We don't, you know, we don't even have to talk about this. I don't think it's a good idea. Fortunately, like I said, I have learned to listen <laughs> closely also to those around me, right? Um, either a peer or a mentor or somebody that sees something in you. And sometimes you just need that push, right? Mm -hmm. And I was very fortunate that my husband actually did a completely different position. He said, but, you know, give me a sec. Let's, let's think about this. Will that opportunity, you know, be beneficial from a professional side. I said, absolutely. I'll never be a rounded leader or a better leader if I don't get myself exposed to this. Okay, so check. Mm. Um, the ages that our girls are at, are they're perfectly movable. They probably speak better English than I do. And, and he said, you know, we're, we're movable and this is not a forever move. Why not? Okay, check. What about you and your professional career? He said, I'm very flexible. I think we can work it out. So scared to death, I have to say, I got on the phone on Monday morning and I said, okay, I'll, I'm up for it. We'll do it. And in a blink of mm -hmm. an eye, all of a sudden, I'm day one in this new position, right? Uh, so it, it doesn't mean that I was still very hesitating about doing it. It didn't mean that I didn't feel completely ready for it. it just mean that I looked deep inside and there were really no formal solid reasons why I would have said no right other than that imposter syndrome or the fear right. of failing right um so it took a bold move and I have to say in hindsight he was transforming absolutely transforming I have never been stretched so much than what I did at that point in time I was faced with a complexity that that probably I haven't necessarily faced before on a very diverse and different environment. And even when I struggle at the beginning, and maybe even I've, you know, lost my voice <laughs> a little bit mm -hmm. along the way trying to fit in, it was absolutely the, the one of the better decisions that I have made um, in my career. Love this story, because there's so many rich nuggets in it, that I think all women can find a way to relate to, right? And, and the, the notion that you really did 
take a bold move. And right now, you know, thinking about where we are in the midst of this pandemic and millions of women have left the workforce. Many of us are thinking about what is our real purpose and how do we get closer to a more meaningful type of work. I think your story just speaks volumes to that notion of taking bold moves. How do you do it now? I mean, now you, that's great, a great story, but how do, do you think about bold moves in your career and also in your life with your family and with your, your partnership with your husband? Absolutely. So, so first, I think as we go along this, this journey, you learn that it's bigger than you, right? It's, it's way bigger than you. Experiences like these, um, you know, show me how, you, you know, even things like how from a diverse standpoint, you can position yourself in both sides of the world, right? On, on either you being the diverse person, call it female or Hispanic, or working remotely or with other cultures, right? And you're, you're able then to position somebody else. I think you learn how to have empathy too, right? And mm-hmm. how do you stand in somebody else's shoes? And with this, you know, kind of environment now and, and trying to to understand that there's not a blanket approach or a perfect, you know, solution. I usually call out a term that I like a lot, which is situational leadership, right? Mm -hmm. I think that depending on the situation that you're in, you're able then to determine, you know, um, what exactly is going on in in my life, what's happening with my team, um, what is my situation at at home, do I have a support system, right? So so I think that it has given me some elements to be able to use empathy, use situational leadership, leading my team, or even making decisions um, at home every day or, or leading others, right? And even simple examples, I get asked a lot about females on, hey, you know, with, with now kids at home and trying to work from home and both of you working, how do you decide which is more important? Is it your husband's job? Is it yours? Is it your kids? Is it your work, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what I have learned is that we this is not a competition about which has more priority or which one is more important because once you make it a competition, somebody's going to lose. Mm-hmm. And what I have learned is that you have to take elements into consideration and then talk about what makes sense for you, for your environment, your family, and your work. There might be times where I might tilt into my personal side and say, hey, you know, I, this is not going to balance out perfect, but I need to tell to, to the personal side. And it might mean I'm going to work remotely for a while. I need to be home or I need to be attending something else. On the other side, if I need to tilt it to my professional or career or what my team on the side needs, I will also do it. But, but it comes with an understanding of how with this situation that I'm encountering, how do I then make, to make the decisions but we cannot turn it into a competition because somebody is, like I said, it's going to lose. Mm-hmm. I love the way you position that. And I think the other element too, that I just had this conversation with a, um, someone about another woman about like how we have to take ownership for our life and our time. And we have the ability to choose how we delegate that time. Right. And, and, and you said it very eloquently. It's like, this is how I choose to, you know, ebb and flow between personal and professional. Do you find that 
it is a challenge for you to blend the two? Do you find that your approach is um, leaving them in isolation? We, we tend to think about leadership as a lifestyle. So it's, it's both personal and professional, but how do you approach it? You know, I, I will say that I, I have learned not to struggle because I used to struggle a lot. I used to hold myself very high and accountable, you know, to be a perfect mom, uh, but also be a perfect professional, you know, and we talk about imposter syndrome, but talk about mom guilt, right? That, mm-hmm. that comes mm-hmm. all the time, right? And, and then I, I had a few aha moments, I would say throughout the years, and they might have been simple ones, but they have worked very well for me. And I'll give you a simple example on mom guilt. I remember my girls were um, younger, way younger, and they had to go to after school or childcare because I was a full-time mom. I mean, a full-time career and, and working. And I remember taking an afternoon um, off and showing up surprisingly early to the daycare. And they started to complain. They're like, I haven't finished playing. Mom, you're here too early. What, what were you thinking about? And here I am all excited that I actually took a few hours <laughs> of to be with them. And then that made me realize, you know, they, they don't really suffer <laughs> like the way I think they right. might, right? right. This, is, this is their environment. This is what they know that they love and that they own, you know, so, so small things like that uh, have shown me also that, you know, I love what I do. I love to work. I, I see myself as a very better version of me because I feel like I'm adding value and I'm being passionate about something. So that's the best self that they get to see from me, especially they're both girls, right? So, so I, I think that how I manage that, that mom guilt part of it. And then the other part is I, there's not a life work balance that doesn't exist. You do life work integration. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you understand that concept, you bring everybody along, right? Um, I'm very transparent and engage my family in everything that I do. I explain to them what I do. Um, obviously, I have changed the, the, the how I do it throughout time as they grow up. Uh, but they know a lot about work and, and they know when we move, why we were moving. They got to meet my peers at work. I talk about them at work. I have never hesitated to not include them at work. People fear sometimes to bring a personal aspects of themselves to work while I actually think bringing your whole self makes you a way better leader and a way better professional. Mm -hmm. And even with other females here, I acknowledge when I struggle, I said, Hey, Mm -hmm. if this pandemic would have gotten me with kids that are in kindergarten and first grader, instead of eighth grader and sixth graders, I will be going nuts. So I take my hat off to every single parent out there from my team that is trying to work and have a virtual class with their kids at home, right? So Mm -hmm. that's where the empathy comes. But I absolutely believe in integrating both of them. And like I said, there are situations where you're going to tilt it to your personal side. There are others where you will tilt it. And as long as you're very transparent and you bring everybody along, it does work. Great insight. We we're all about personal brand leadership, which is owning your value, um, living with purpose and uh, owning your value. What would you say are your personal brand essentials? 
what helps you feel like you're moving your personal brand of leadership forward with success? You know, I probably will phrase it into two or, or three concepts that, that I think have, I have learned and speak very, very close to me. I would say the, the first one, I like to call it, do it with passion or not at all. I think passion is something that you don't learn, that, that it, it comes with you and it just drives you. And, and when you learn how to energize others through, through that passion, um, how to be resilient to any challenge that you face because you're very passionate, you want to get this done. Um, it, it's something that I feel it's a very um, distinctive trait. Now with passion, the interesting thing is that, um, you know, when you're very passionate, you have to watch out that you might not be driving like crazy and bringing everybody <laughs> along, right? There's mm -hmm. a difference between driving with passion versus being passionate and energized about something and try to be contagious. And that's something that I had to learn the hard way, I would say, with some feedback, listening to others, and then I find doing it. But absolutely, I would not commit into doing something unless I'm 120% into it and I feel very passionate about it. So that's one element. I think the, the other one, it's as we go into leadership roles, and, and leadership, meaning either you're leading a team or you're a supervisor, that doesn't matter the title. Um, it's all about the ripple effect that you have on organization. And there's a phrase that I like a lot, which is a whisper at the top is a shout at the bottom. And I learned that that stick with me because there's always somebody looking at you, always, even if you don't notice. And you have the ability to create a ripple effect on that organization and that person that is looking at you. So I take it very seriously and, and I'm accountable on, you know, being an example, walk the talk. And even when I'm communicating to others, how do I explain the why? How do I connect the dots? And I make fun sometimes about my position being a storyteller. And, and I say, you know, because it's all about people, and, and connecting strategies and, and making sure everybody comes along and gets excited, right? You have to be very transparent and people have to see you how you are. And it does have a ripple effect on the organization. And, and you know, the third, I would say it's a we before me. So even though throughout my career, I have been fortunate to, you know, get a new experience or learn something new, there's always a bigger purpose behind it. So I, I also look at it as a we before me. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are three things that, that I think describe my leadership style, but also brand. And, and it's interesting when you ask people to describe me, they will use, I would say eight out of 10 will use passion <laughs> as one of the describers. On, you on know that, what? On That's that awesome word. because that means <laughs> that your brand is actually living its value, right? It's one thing to say it, for you, but it's how other per people perceive it. So that's, that says a lot about the alignment of your, of your intentions and actually how people receive you. It's interesting because a lot of the women that we have in our community, you know, work for organizations um, and they recognize even in technical roles that the, the requirements for leadership on the next level 
don't always look like um, what you can do and how well you do your job, but it's all of the things you talked about people, um, emotional intelligence, you know, being able to lead through change. What advice do you have for women who have, you know, been aspiring for whatever their next level is in their career, but they've had to put off their personal aspirations. Has it ever been your story and what lessons can you share? Sure. And, and, you know, it's interesting that for some reason we perceive the next level as even harder and more time consuming and how will I get this done? Right. And I think that's the first thing that, that establishes fear because then you start to think about, okay, how do I then manage my personal aspirations? If I want to continue my personal aspiration, I'm not going to have time. Right. And I think that's one of the wrong perceptions as we go into our career and we continue to grow. It's more about developing others. It's more about how effectively we can delegate. I still need to be aware. I'm still going to be accountable for the results and for the talent in my organization. But most of my work gets done through others, right? And, and it comes to a point where actually you do have more flexibility. Now, my calendar always looks booked. Because most of my time, I, I spend it on meetings because my job is to talk to people, to connect people, to understand what's happening, right? But that doesn't mean that, that it, it does bring more responsibility, but it's not necessarily more time consuming. So I think we need to establish that that might be a perceived fear. And second, I don't think there'll ever come a time where you will feel truly that you're able to accomplish both at the same time. There's always going to be something happening, right? Either a change at jobs or an aspiration on the personal side. I think it's all about coming to, like I said before, to this life work integration. How do I make this work, right? How do I establish a comfortable zone where I can absolutely aspire to go to the next level, not being gated or, or dictated by something that I perceive it's going to be a failure from my end. Mm-hmm. So, so I think we need to remove that barrier of failing, of not being ready, <laughs> because that's the other one. We might be even closer to being ready than what we actually think of. And taking a, take a chance on yourself. Absolutely take a chance on yourself. And, and don't let it pass thinking another opportunity is going to come by. Now, got to maximize that now moment. <laughs> what, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I, I love to say, I always call it no opportunity waits. It's like that you've got to take it while you grasp it, while you have it. What we, we often talk about um, personal brand is your own recipe, your own secret sauce. So how would you define your secret sauce of success? You know, I think it's trusting that, that what have gotten you here will carry you even further, right? I think there are, there are times where we let the emotion take over and not look at the facts, right? Mm-hmm. I think we might get overwhelmed that, hey, this is challenging. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. But when you eliminate that, that emotional part and you go through the facts and say, okay, I've been able to manage 
X complexity in my life. I've been able to manage this challenge. I've been able to go from my position when I started to where I am now. We have to build upon those trends that have gotten us to here. Now, do we have opportunities and new experiences to learn from? Absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that turning the, the challenge to a new learning opportunity actually gets me excited because I'm a result-driven person. I, I, and again, if it's mixed with the passion, I, I'll go run into it, right? Rather than, mm-hmm. than just you know, being kind of held in that moment. So I would say that the passion drives me, but also the recognition that whatever I'm facing now that I haven't faced before, um, I can go and leverage my set of tools or the strengths that I got to get through it and apply the same recipe over and over will get me then to that next step uh, has helped me then, you know, kind of oversee some and, and, you know, go through some of these challenges that you face along your career. Yes. I love it, Elliot. Cause what I hear from you is that there is a formula and the formula has to do with the mindset. You know, a lot of times we look at the outcomes, we look at people's resumes, we look at their jobs and their titles. And even we sometimes, and I'm, I'm sure in organizations try to mimic a career path, but what we can't see is how a person thinks. That's why I love the show because we get to get into the mind of leaders um, and their approach, which is fascinating to me. So thank you for sharing that. And I know passion is a consistent theme. You have a framework around passion that you like to think about. I'd love for you to share it with our audience. Absolutely. So so think about um, a Venn diagram, right? Three circles overlapping each other. And I always keep this diagram. I have it in my office, in, in everything that I do and when I talk to people. So there's three circles. One of them is passion. The other one is skills or experiences. And the other one is opportunity. Of course, when the three of them come together, that's the perfect opportunity, right? That's like, perfect, everything needs aligned. But we know how these things work out, right? For, for that to happen, it, it had to be one in a million. However, I always start with passion because I said, passion, you don't learn it. You either have it, you feel it, it's aligned to your core values, it gets you excited, right? And then there's the skills and experiences and the opportunity. Um, skills and experiences, you go about learning um, new traits. They can be in a form of a development section, like listening to a podcast. Uh, you can go through a training. You can do you know, a, a hands-on course. You're doing this not only to build your expertise in something that you're doing, but you probably have already identified what's the next thing that I want to do. And there might be some opportunities or gaps. So you're kind of working your way to that. Now, opportunity, I like it a lot because opportunity comes in two forms. Either something new, like you said, on the now happens and it's your perfect next step or opportunity or even better, you create it yourself. Mm. And and I'll give you a, a quick example on the opportunity. So I knew I wanted to continue growing my career. I love the operations side, but I the finance side of the business at a certain point in my career was kind of 
unknown to me and I had this fear of not understanding it even though I was good with numbers I just that that language of P&L and accounting practices and stuff kind of got me nervous so I knew that if I wanted to continue growing or in the organization that set of skills I needed to develop that and the business had a huge need to drive uh, some cost improvements And I heard her a few times along the organization. And, you know, I said, okay, I remember I was a quality manager at that point in time. And I raised my hand and I said, you know what? I'm going to lead this opportunity for the site. It doesn't matter if I'm not in finance. It doesn't matter. I'm going to lead it. Leading that opportunity was I created my own leadership opportunity, but I also created my own learning opportunity. So I took that project and I got to sat down with, every single function from the organization. I learned how HR manage the benefit compensation package. I sat with IT, how they manage cell phones and software. I sat with the cafeteria to see how they did the contract. So in no time, I actually ended up having this broader organizational learning and getting into the finance and the numbers and how they were forecasting. So, so you know, that created a huge experience for me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to change title. I didn't have to go and take a course. I actually did a hands-on. Now, did it mean more work for me? Absolutely. Did it mean that I took out something that I had no idea <laughs> how I was going <laughs> to do it? Absolutely. But creating those opportunities, not only you win, but the organization win because I ended up doing something that they needed uh, to get done, right? So So I think about it as, as, you know, map out where you want to go, map out what are the strengths that you already have and what are those additional set of skills that you want to build. So when the opportunity comes, you're, you know, closest to being ready and you take advantage now of that opportunity. Great insight. Again, leaders are learners, and that is exactly what you do continue to do. It's been so wonderful having you on our show today, Elliot. Any final words, parting words for our community that you'd like to share? No, I just want to highly encourage everybody to take a bold risk. Um, we're not going to be ready 100%. Um, do not defeat yourself before even trying to get that opportunity, right? Um, learn every day, create learning experiences for yourself. And, and have the courage and trust that, that you got it. Absolutely, you got it. Uh, we have to remind ourselves every day. I do it. We all go through the struggles, no matter at what point in your career are. But trust that you can do this and be very passionate and purpose about what you do. Thank you so much for giving us our boost of of courage juice. That's what that was. Courage juice, right? Everybody. I love it. Love it. I'm going to write it down and drink take it from her. Yes. Drink your courage juice. And if you need to pass it along, pass this episode along to your friends and your, your colleagues, because that's what we need in order to do the bold moves, the bold leadership that this world needs right now. So Ilya, thank you so much for being on the She Sweet podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the She Sweet Community Podcast. Make sure to head on over to the SheSweetCommunity.com forward slash podcast to subscribe and stay up to date on all of the latest news. Catch you on the next episode.